I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. With me is Yaron Hazan, Vice President of Regulatory Affairs for Theta Ray. We are talking about human trafficking and what banks can do about human trafficking. Forced labor generates $150 billion in illegal profits annually, according to estimates. If it wasn't profitable, it wouldn't exist. So the question is, how do we make it unprofitable, Yaron? We need to treat child trafficking and human trafficking as you treat any other severe financial crime, but taking into account the specification and the unique characteristics of such phenomena. So on the one hand, we definitely speak when we talk about the bank's role and the financial activity of such organizations, we talk about cross-border activity that is being done through banking, global banking. We talk about, which is still not as significant as the traffic of money and money flows from the banks to the banks, about several additional channels, such such as cryptocurrencies. This is the financial activity of the networks of people that are involved in child trafficking and human trafficking. Their purpose is to take the poor kids or the poor people, usually from poor countries, and to move them across borders. Usually, when they try to create a picture of an opportunity to work, uh, there are the most severe crimes where kidnapping is also involved, of course. But in many cases, they don't need to kidnap people. They convince people to send young people to work abroad and to bring some salary back to their families. And the terrible situation around it is that no matter which relatively poor country you look at, the opportunities for these bad guys are always tremendous. We know that the purpose and the the goal of these bad people is the money. So the best way to fight them is to make challenges for them for managing their money, for moving their funds from one place to another, and from creating for them financial heaven for such a problem. The financial activity of such organization, as I already hinted, is usually from weak market to stronger markets and vice versa. Their headquarters can be even in Western societies and Western economies. So in many cases, they would like the funds to arrive to those targets. But the key topic is that it starts with uh, some kind of a trade activity and moving people from one place to another by ships, by airplanes, by any other familiar method. And then charging money for that whenever the potential services will be required, and then moving the funds again between countries. So in terms of the geographies of the potential use case, I covered several potential typos of territories, but in terms of the banking system and the financial activity of such operation, I will explain it furthermore. Like any trade based money laundering or trade-based terrorist funding, when it comes to the actual physical assets, products, or people, it requires cooperation between many, many parts of the government, the custom, the police, border controls, etc. So again, it's not something that we will tackle today. But when it comes to the financial activity of such operation, we at Tetaray, for example, detected the case that uh, in East Europe, a certain bank, respectful bank, had a customer. It was a legal entity, not an individual. Uh, Let's call it a small company. 
that uh, presented itself through the Know Your Customer and the account opening phase as medical services that are somehow related to women and to kids, birth controls, etc. It appeared to be a legitimate business. Apparently, when the activity started, the movement of funds and especially the counterparties of this activity triggered indications for unusual and potentially suspicious behaviors. Now, the combination of these indications, it's what brought the, the local investigation team to focus on that potential risk and potential crime. And they revealed uh, through relatively fast investigation that it was not at all the type of company that was presented to them. But actually, it was about moving people and moving young people. And eventually, it was concluded after deeper investigation as uh, related to child trafficking. Strange enough, it was a branch of a very large bank. Uh, from the headquarters of the large bank, three to four months after Tetere revealed the case, they sent a request to this, to this branch of the bank in the Eastern Europe country and asked them specific questions about these accounts and about those type of fund movements and told them, actually confirmed to them, that this is related to child trafficking. Naturally, the bank that used Tetere already discovered it, already stopped uh, the services to these entities, already reported to the authorities. And moreover, uh, what they said to us is that if it's only for this discovery alone, it was worth implementing and applying Tetere because then you really save lives of young people, etc. So we're talking about artificial intelligence in yes. this application, what does it do to detect money laundering schemes that are linked to crimes like human trafficking? The reason that Tetra suits for such complex activities is because it works totally different than the normal mechanisms that banks used to apply for monitoring transactions or trying to discover suspicious activities. In the past, let's say, 20 to 25 years, all banks, including when I worked at HSBC in our bank and all banks were using it, the key control to try to, to find through the actual transactions and the activity of the customers if something is potentially suspicious was rule-based. When you set rules and you try by rules to detect complex crimes, not only that you give the bad guys a huge step forward ahead of you and the biggest advantage they could ask for, you actually prevent yourself from seeing the sophisticated schemes. Because if you imagine, let's say, a box that uh, illustrates all the transactions I have, if I focus only on specific predefined rules, I look only on the left top angle of the box that match predefined scenarios and thresholds, and I actually ignore all the rest. So one big difference is that I first look at the entire picture and try to identify based on many parameters at the same time, and this is the second difference, what potentially could be unusual because it learns normality first, how most customers behave, and then triggers what is unusual. So far, nothing related specifically to child trafficking or trust funding or illegal gambling. But what comes next is that 
not only tethering measures several parameters at the same time, let's say the urographies, the volumes of activities, the type of counterparties, the total value of the activity, and the volume of cross-border compared with domestic activity. These are just a few small examples, the simple examples. If you measure them all together, suddenly you understand, wait a minute, I can see a picture. I will not have just a signal or just a specific sign that I don't know if it's somehow related to something. I can see a full picture of combination of risk indicators. Now, if you have some, and to be honest, at the beginning when we started detecting these types of crimes, we didn't have that, what I will say now. It was not our focus. But when you have some understanding that this risk is part of the risks that you are focused on, then you can even help the system with some features, some data sources that if they combine together, can show you more clear indicators for terrorist funding or for human trafficking or for child trafficking or for illegal gambling. Now, Tetra alone, without any uh, purpose, intention, and knowledge, will find such cases because they are not normal financial activity. And usually, it's it will not resemble what the customer presented at the KYC. So it will be totally away from the profile, the business profile of the customer and how such customers should behave. But even if you add a little bit of knowledge and you know that it's related to poor countries versus rich countries, you know that people try to connect it to certain type of industries or services, suddenly you can see that you can find even more what will be totally impossible with a simple rule-based approach. Well, the bottom line is you wouldn't have been able to find as many examples of this sort of activity before because it was a manual process. It was not an AI-driven process. And the physical volume of research you would have to do was not possible. Even if you take the most experienced expert, even for a specific topic, the limit of our brain to what we can define in advance that will help us focus specifically on on those risks, it's impossible. Moreover, the manual work that you have mentioned is it's totally true because until today, most banks try to base fighting specific phenomena like illegal gambling, like ISIS activity, like child trafficking or human trafficking based on intelligence, based on things or hints or indicators that they receive usually from external sources. But then, as you said, the volume of the activity will not enable people to try and find those indicators that potentially they could have identified from external sources within mass of payments and data. So this is something that obviously is going to grow in importance for financial institutions because nobody wants to be involved in any kind of illegal activity like this. It is one of the key pillars for which artificial intelligence, machine learning, is going to be very important. Crucial, really crucial. The organizations and the regulators that already acknowledge that is across the board. The FATF published recently in July a document that encouraged the industry as a whole to move away from rule-based approach, to move away from the last 20 years and what we've tried as methodologies to to put against those bad guys because they know the rules as well. They know the systems, they know the rules, and they know how manual work will will try to catch them. So even the FATF and local regulators in many countries already started encouraging in the last two years 
the banks and the financial industry to move to artificial intelligence and machine learning for these purposes. Is it realistic to be able to expect to catch everything or are people still going to slip through the net even when it's an AI net? Nobody can guarantee 100% coverage of any type of criminal activity. I'm sure that the big jump between finding less than a milli-percent as we do today, or we did in the last 20 years, to make sure that we catch significant percentage and portion of criminal activity in general and child trafficking and human trafficking in particular, the opportunity is huge. It can be jumping from milli-percent to 50-60% sort of guarantee. It's amazing how many people you can save with that type of change. Thank you very much, Yaron Hazan, Vice President, Regulatory Affairs at Theta Ray.